2: Are we working? I think we're working. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm this guy, David Woods, from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7
1: Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. You can see I'm repping this. Uh... And we together, him and me, podcast of champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We have a little bonus Pac-12 football. We got Pac-12 team in the national championship the, game. We the do- one,
2: once in future Pac-12 football. The 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 idealized form of Pac-12 football. The where it always should have ended. Pac-12 football. Yeah, as we uh, all knew, should have happened for each of the last I don't know twenty
1: five years. The Pac-12 is represented in the national championship game.
0: Woo,
2: woo!
1: Kalen DeBoer, uh, the Washington Huskies—a future Big Ten matchup, but still, it's a Pac-12 team in the uh, national. It's just championship. amazing
2: with all the structural disadvantages for the Pac-12 that they could do this. I mean, it's just—it's so—it's so astounding that a team was able to make it this far. It's like—it's almost like there wasn't a structural issue in play, and in fact, the major issue is just that there weren't teams good enough. But now there is a team that's good enough. But certainly that couldn't be it.
1: Clay made some kind of comment about what they were building, to. It kind of reminded me of uh, when Pete Carroll went, won the Orange Bowl in mm-hmm. his second year. And Paul Hackett, who was fired after three years, said, I had a five-year plan. Like, it was – if they would have – he would have been in the Orange Bowl, too. It's like, no, that's not – you know, <laughs> Klefkoff, this had nothing to do with you. Pete Carroll going to, you know, all those games had nothing to do with uh, what – Paul Hackett was building, it's just incompetence there. But no, I mean, yeah.
2: what, the, what the Pac-12 ran into was uh, its worst, I don't know, five-year period in history, and it just happened to coincide with the sport itself kind of breaking at the seams, and thus, we don't have a league anymore, and it's very sad, but what a culmination event for Washington to make the Natty in, uh, in this year, and I mean, look, earmuffs, Washington fans, and for it not to be against an SEC buzzsaw. Like yeah. Michigan is a very, very good team and a very, very dominating team, but they are not, you know, just those freakazoid SEC athlete athletes where they're like three hundred and sixty pounds and running a four-five. Like it's, it's a different deal and one in which I expect Washington can be competitive. But we'll get to that.
1: We will get to that all. Um, Pop tarts. Uh, this was my, I, you know, we were that was our theme. Mm-hmm. I bought a box of Pop Tarts watching the bowl games. It was a lot of fun. I put it on my Instagram, and the Pop Tart, uh, the Pop Tart US account, like responded to me and asked me what you know my favorite. What's the best flavor? And they said there's only one right answer, and they put a strawberry emoji. So I agreed with them. So that was kind of nice. Oh, oh, um, we got we got breaking news in the
2: chat. Um, oh we got wow, Ben, uh, tremendous Ben uh has super chatted us and he says i hope all my fellow dog fans keep it classy now why wouldn't they why wouldn't they you know uh,
1: thanks ben we appreciate that they are um, in
2: the national championship game
1: for sure uh and david is in are you in, are you in your brother's place or you're in your house now i'm in my house okay i'm uh out in the desert right now so we can't do this in studio feeling a lot better uh from the covet stuff so thanks people that were uh checking it on me but yes uh feeling a lot better so we're doing this remotely but dave's this is a full dave show stream yard mm-hmm. he's doing all the video doing all this like this is i can just be david and just talk and then walk away and like david puts all the stuff up mm-hmm. he didn't tweet it outright. he put it in replies for some reason i did um, not do that your boy elon did that he has broken his <laughs> website <my> again
2: <laughs> he has broken his website again
1: yeah, but we are live uh, on our YouTube channel, so we appreciate you that. And, and if you're listening uh, across our podcast network, we love that as well. Uh, we do have some email questions. If you want to send us an email, podcast at gmail.com, or you can call or text us at 424 and tweet, of course, at Pac-12 podcast, and the website, com. Did we get any new uh, reviews on the Apple Podcasting? app which we love if you could go over there and follow us and uh give us a five-star rating and review yeah if you'll you'll
2: let me finish the if you'll let me answer the question ryan yes we did trenton bruin a five-star review consistently excellent it is a weekly pleasure to listen to this fun podcast it keeps me connected with my west coast and Pac 12 roots despite living on the east coast thank you for your consistently funny banter and interesting insights highly recommend. A uh, different show. Like, did he find something else?
1: Sometimes they, they leave reviews for the wrong show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh that's gotta be what that one was. I mean, thanks. It's a five-star review. You followed the rules, but geez, laying it on a bit thick. Uh, five star review from Big Boy574. This is more my speed. Uh, the subject line just simply reads bad. And then the uh the uh, body is this podcast blows five stars.
1: Oh, nice, perfect. Love it. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank uh, you for that. Pre- appreciate that very, very, uh, very much. Um, so we got a good show today. There's two games we need to recap, and I don't have I mean, my can sound. You say that,
2: can you say that with any certainty at this point, that we have a good show today? We're always, it could be yeah, good. do might don't be. know. Sometimes are good. I mean, we can say after the fact, oh, that felt good. That was, that was pretty good.
1: Or you can say, yeah. oh, wow, I was kind of a dick that day, and it didn't sound very good. <laughs> Well, I think you have the potential for that today because somehow mm. you know with the the FPI rankings were like uh 99.9% mm-hmm. chance to win or lose. Can I we was 99 back up
2: real quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. to lose. <laughs> um Dave uh we did two picks this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh Dave took this thing called Liberty against what we know as Oregon team that always just beats the crap out of terrible teams. It was 6-nothing Liberty and I felt like, "Oh, Maybe they don't cover here, but mm-hmm. I kept the faith, and uh, it was it was not pretty. So uh, I now have taken the lead in the picks against the spread. I went two and zero. I'm twelve games, I believe, above uh, five hundred now. So uh, pretty darn good. Ten, you know, ten games for Dave is great, but uh, not good enough to be beating me. We have one game left, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, yay, I took the the picks conference. The, the title over. So a good week for me on uh, my bookie this week because I went 2-0. I almost did the money line on Washington. I should have did that for a little bit of extra juice, but hopefully you guys have checked out uh, my bookie. A lot of fun. I've had a great time all season putting my picks in there where we talk about the picks, but also put a little juice on those picks as well. And uh, during the holidays, you can get a cash bonus for your first deposit. So make sure you go over to my bookie and and check it all out. But they've been a great partner for us. And uh, it's really changed. I've had a lot of fun uh, being able to put some, you know, making actual bets on some of these games that we do the picks on for whatever reason, we take these picks like super seriously and we want to beat each other. We're sending each other texts and everything. And uh, Dave was pretty quiet during the Oregon game. He wouldn't respond to me. So I don't, you know, I'm not sure why, maybe just because he felt that he, you know, his picks, he, he is two and six picking the pack 12 teams against the spread. In, uh, in the bowl season, um, you know, really got that Oregon. I couldn't be, I don't know uh, how, how wrong he could have been on the Oregon game, but holy cow, was that terrible. Um, But yeah, so I took the lead, and that's great, but I've done it all over at my bookie. Make sure you go over there, check it out. The promo code is PAC12, so it's going to stay the same, even though the PAC12 is going away. Our promo code is still PAC12. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at my bookie, and use promo code PAC12.
2: Since uh Arizona State upset UCLA in the Rose Bowl, I yes. have gone 6 and 15 <laughs> against the
1: spread. <laughs> if you were on I mean to be fair, you were on fire.
2: 6, you were crushing six and it. 15 against the spread.
1: You were still 10 games over 500, so you were whatever. Like you were close to 20 games over 500 yeah. then. Yeah. no. Um and there were some really weird ones where it was like you know, the team Shouldn't have punted at the end, or like you were getting some wins, and I was like, Oh my god, like how did that even happen? And you're just like, Hey, hey. and then something turned, so yeah, the uh, not that anybody gives a crap, but I'm gonna be champion unless they well, they could tie me uh with this final game, so we'll see.
2: That's true, that's true,
1: yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, uh, doing all the picks and everything, uh, throughout the season, and we'll talk about these two games that happened uh, on New Year's Day. Um, I was out here kind of recovering from COVID and just sit on the couch, eating my pop tarts and uh, watching a great day of college football. It was, it was cool just to see like, you got the Oregon game and then a really good first semifinal with, uh, you know, Michigan and Alabama. And just, I mean, that was like a rock fight. Just nobody, you know, you know, punting up from your own, you know, from the opponents 35 and crap like that, stuff that you would love on fourth and mm-hmm. one. Uh and then the exciting uh you know, other semifinal game with Washington, literally where Caitlin DeBoer is just like outsmarting everyone, and then the piano fell from the sky in the last couple of minutes and landed on his head. So those pianos can just hit anybody. Um and, you know, but Washington ends up getting a win. Crazy stuff. But it was, a, it was a fun day. Did you get to watch the whole day of uh, college football, David?
2: I did. I did. It was a very good day. Um, the two semifinals both being good games is a rarity. Um, yeah. I don't was, think it's ever happened. Yeah. That was that was awesome. Um, uh, I think I joined Washington fans in both celebrating and wanting to murder Kalen DeBoer uh, in the final <laughs> two minutes of that game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, really, really exciting day
1: of football, and uh, obviously very exciting that Washington is back in the. I, I think I tweeted out like a a E. coyote, gif or whatever, like that that Kalen uh, DeBoer is a super genius, and then that he was. <laughs> dude, dude, these all are right. all still fo- like as yeah. smart as they are. They're still football. Customers. We got to get into this because <laughs> all right, let's let's
2: let's start the recaps.
1: Okay, we're gonna do our uh, recap. pac twelve roundup. I did a sound effect, Sorry, um, that was good. Pack twelve so, roundup. So first up, uh, we had uh, the Fiesta Bowl.
2: This featured Oregon uh, taking on the Liberty Flames. Oh, I'm Jerry fallon and I'm burning in hell.
1: Um, did you gonna do the organ sound or no? Uh,
2: quack quack quack. Right.
1: Um. Uh.
2: Hmm. Oregon beat the shit out of them. Yes. Um. The last point Liberty scored was on the touchdown because they couldn't even make the PAT. <laughs> um, they they were outscored forty five to nothing to close this game out. Pretty good. Um, forty five to nothing over the final three quarters because or, or forty two nothing over the final three quarters because Oregon only scored three in the first quarter. Um,
1: Oregon I- was I- a sixteen and a half point favorite. Yeah, uh, I of course got this one right, and David um, did not liberty. Yeah, I gave
2: that you gave me liberty, but instead you gave me death. (laughs) Um, Bo Nix played really well. Uh, It was sort of just kind of a celebration uh, of of Oregon football. Like it was, I mean, they were just kind of having fun out there. Um, There's really not a lot to say. Uh, they, 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 they kind of drove the like Bo Nix, uh, adopted brother, Tez Johnson narrative into the ground and then like stomped on it over and over and over
1: again. That's been driven to the ground the entire season. It's incredible. And Um, they took it to a new level in this one.
2: Yeah, it was an insane level. And it was because, I mean, he, uh, Tez, Tez Johnson played probably his best game of the season, but, um, that was, you know, a little maddening to listen to, but I thought, uh, Oregon's defense was really awesome in this game. Um, Liberty. I mean, I, I know this game looked a certain way. They did have a really good offense. Um, that guy, it's the Coastal Carolina guy who, um, you know, has a really innovative scheme, and they just shut it down. Chadwell, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was really, really impressive. Um, you know, Oregon, uh, but for Washington existing this year, Oregon had the, the makeup of a playoff team. Uh, unfortunately, they were in the same league as Washington. Um, but this was a a, a dominating effort, um, and I think you know it's like one of those years uh, in the early teens, uh, early 2010s, where Oregon and Stanford would both be elite, um, but only one of them could you know advance, or or sometimes not neither of them did because one would take a weird loss and one would take the loss to the other team. Um, that's what this year kind of felt like because Oregon is no. I mean, most of the power rating systems will tell you Oregon's better. Um, And obviously they're not because they lost twice to Washington. But um, this was still an elite Oregon team. And they showed it in this game. I mean, yes, Liberty was power rated way below where um, they probably shouldn't have been the G5 representative in this game. But still beating them by 39 is uh, wildly, wildly impressive. So I think if you're an Oregon fan, obviously maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity. But I would still say this team and their season is fundamentally better than any of those crystal ball seasons like i don't think you're stuck in the cycle of having really talented teams that just flame out i mean this was just the unfortunate reality that they were going against a uh you know they had to play against washington twice when washington's at its peak level and uh they have a you know kaylin DeBoer is an elite game coach results of the final two minutes of uh the the cfp semifinal notwithstanding (laughs) <laughs> but um I think Oregon fans you got to be happy with your season. I mean this was this was a, a, an elite dominating team and I think uh, Dan Lanning continues to reload with lots of talent
1: um and they're going to break through at some point here soon. You got you could see early on why Liberty had as much success as they did. One of the best rushing teams in the country. If you hadn't seen that offense, Jamie Chadwell, I mean like they got the triple option stuff going on. Um uh, that quarterback, I forget his name, but he's he's now on the transfer portal after that uh but he um he looked really good especially that first you know that kind of opening drive for liberty uh i think early on it was he like looked a
0: really or...
2: good in a game where they scored six points is that what no, you're telling for me
1: the, the first drive the first drive yeah yeah and uh, then he, and then they, what
2: did he look like then he then looked he like looked dog like, doo-doo
1: yeah it was like uh yeah banter whatever bot, what's the uh, banta doo-doo or whatever like yeah. they say um yeah, but they, you could see like the triple option thing sort of working. It was like a second or third and long and it was one of those things where you fake the the handoff inside um, and it ends up being a pitch outside and Oregon was, you know, crashing in and just goes around the corner and like picks up a first down and get really exciting. And then all of a sudden they miss that extra point. They end up scoring a touchdown, some really good catches and stuff, and then they end up missing the extra point. But you could see like, wow, okay, like this, this is a team that could keep Oregon on its toes but you could also tell just by watching this game like they hadn't played the dudes that they were playing against and they had the 130th or 31st schedule in the country they didn't have athletes like Oregon has and you sort of caught them off Oregon kind of got caught off guard I guess early on but then every once in a while it's just like oh that normally would be Uh, a a great play but they couldn't do it or oh that their receiver wouldn't get that open we have to hold them like there was a lot of penalties they were trying to sort of make up for the you could see Liberty trying to make up for the the gap in athleticism that they just never had to make up during the season they're smart football um, you know really cool schemes and stuff but they didn't have they weren't facing way better players on the other side and that after that first touchdown, you could just see the gap in athleticism between Oregon <laughs> and what Liberty had. And it just – it wasn't enough. You couldn't keep doing those things where, like, wow, that play worked perfectly, um, and they got Oregon off guard. Like, it just wasn't going to keep working. And I thought they could have – the way it was was working early, I thought they could get a few more scores, but it just – it sort of just um, snowballed. And I think at the end of the first half, Oregon gets the – a late score. I mean, there was, it was just a lot that was going, it was just too much for Liberty to overcome. And Oregon sort of did, that did what Oregon does. And, um, you know, they didn't have uh, Troy Franklin this one. Um, so you heard a lot about, you know, Tez and everything, but they, you know, they could run the ball, uh, you know, when you're just handing it off and it's second and two a lot, you're going to have a ton of success. So it looked bad early. You're like, man, they're not going to be able to stop Oregon or Oregon's not gonna be able to stop this team then they did, and then they just kept scoring, and then they just kept scoring. And I was looking at the spread. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, they're covering the spread the second quarter. This is perfect. Where in the beginning, you're like, if you're three-score spread, and then the other team scores a first touchdown, you're like, oh, well, four scores they have to come back by. Well, that didn't take very long, and they did. But you could just see one team had way better athletes than the other. There's a reason why you say they, this team played a horrible schedule. Yes, they look good. Yes, they ran the ball, but their schedule was terrible. When they played a good team, they just got crushed. And that's what this was. Lovely. Um, <laughs> 39
2: point win for Oregon. Um, and they go into the offseason 12 and 2. Very exciting.
1: Yeah. A lot of, I think, a lot of optimism there. Um, going, like, you want to have some momentum going in the Big Ten, like UCLA does, winning their bowl game, USC winning their bowl game, Oregon getting a big win. So a lot of momentum going into the Big Ten for the the four schools, especially UCLA, man, like you, you know, getting that big bowl win $5 billion stadium. It's good. I but realize yeah, good for forward. a lot of
2: people, it's not a visual meeting medium. So I'm, I'm shaking my head in silence and I can't threaten Ryan uh, because he filed what's called a restraining order. Um, so uh, instead I will just silently wish uh, bad things for him.
1: Yeah. um Oh, some, there's something going on with uh, Dorian Singer. Did I see? Yeah, he's transferring. Did he announce where or he's going to the Portal? Portal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, someone asked in the chat, like, thoughts on that. I mean, you're the second leading receiver in the Pac-12 and you transfer to the team that has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and you don't do very much. Um, yeah. I mean, I would transfer again. So it, it just didn't work. Uh for whatever reason. I don't know the details behind what happened, but you expected a lot more from Dorian Singer in this offense, and it didn't happen. So you should I'm go back sure. to Arizona. Why not? Like Yeah. I think we've, we've seen people I we've seen mean, people do that, I think.
2: The the quarterback who um uh tried to get in a fight with him on the
1: sideline is gone now. So oh Jaden floor yeah. yeah. Head on back, buddy. Yeah, he had a huge year at Arizona and then the quarterback punches him. Yeah, so you're like, oh, you know. Uh, (laughs) Um,
2: I think uh, West Texas Mike is clowning on you a little bit. What's he saying? Question: Did Ryan notice a difference in talent between Liberty and Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl?
1: Yeah, that's why I got the pick right, West West Texas Mike. So just so
2: everyone knows, behind the curtain, the reason Ryan uh, wanted to talk about that one so extensively is because that's the game that he got right and that I got wrong. That's that's fundamentally. I got both games right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the one, like, you'll be like, you'll be normal about the Washington game. But that one, you're like, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to really lay into this one. I'm going to lay it on very, very thick. uh, (laughs) All of the, all of the reasons why this was such an obvious pick for me and why Dave is stupid. (laughs) Implicitly, though, not explicitly. I was worried in the beginning. Yeah, I bet you were.
1: Um, All right, let's move on. Yes. Uh, We got to move to the uh, Sugar Bowl. Uh, they didn't uh, have a live beignet mascot or anything, which I think just a missed opportunity. It should just be um, a bunch of sh- sugar. Yeah, so someone put it on Twitter like you should do bre- like uh, powdered sugar over the coach's head at the end, just like you know, yeah. fill them with sugar. That would be great. It would be great. Uh, but yeah, big uh, the semi-second semifinal matchup for college football playoff between the Washington Huskies <laughs> and the Texas
2: Longhorns. I'm a big cow. Um, wow, what a fun game. Um, so first, like, Washington won 37-31. Now, um, that, that covers a lot of sins. <laughs> We're going to get into the final bit of the game uh, in a second. But first, got to start with something that I think is uh, essential for understanding this game. Because if you didn't watch, you look at Michael Penix's numbers and you're like, 29 to 38, 430 yards, two touchdowns. That's pretty good. But if you watched this game and you saw the fucking throws this guy was making in especially the first half and then late in the fourth quarter, it was insane what he was doing and what his receivers were doing. Like every single time uh, Washington got single coverage downfield, it was a bomb completion. Every goddamn time and I, I you know we joked about that in the preview oh Michael Penix in a dome this is gonna be nuts no oh. and then it
1: was and yeah. it was
2: insane
1: um he was it was I like mean, every every down was like you know like conservative football teams on second and one that's when they take their shot down the field that was first and 10 bombs away second, you know third and 20 like are we gonna throw a screen pass no we're gonna throw it 20 yards and try to get the like Every, like, if, if there was a chance to take a shot, they took a shot.
2: Well, it and the thing is, matter. like, the, the what I was worried about at halftime was it felt like Washington should have been up 10 to 14 points. And it yeah. was tied. It was 21 all at halftime because of special teams issues. Like, just gong show nonsense. Um, but Washington was dominating the game. Um, they were, you know, they were throwing the ball great. Uh, not running the ball really at all. Um, And Texas was able to move the ball on the ground, and then they kept throwing it with Quinn Ewers because Steve Sarkisian likes to lose football games. Um, (laughs) Like, uh, see, C.J. Baxter had, I mean, I think he got hurt late, but he was averaging seven yards a carry, and they only let him carry the ball nine times. Are you stupid? Like, are you dumb or something? (laughs) Um, So, anyway, uh, it was 21 all at halftime, and then Washington came on, put on a blitz in the third quarter um, that put him up ten. Um, and then they were up, I think it was 13 uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, let me get the, the play-by-play right, because this was absolutely maddening to watch the end of this game. So, yeah, Washington is up 34-21. And they've got the ball um, at their own uh, 24 with 12.39 to go. And can I can – I, all right, so 12.39 to go. They're up 13 um in the fourth quarter and i think how many uh, runs had... how, how many runs would you say washington would call right there like if you were washington's head coach like all of them no they yeah, threw the ball every time they threw the ball every single down <laughs> every single down they threw the ball and at some level i respect it at some level you're like uh, this is my brand i'm committing to it i i this is this is who we are we are bombs away and at the other hand it's like Maybe, maybe just run a little bit of clock. Like it's not like Texas is just like completely moving the ball every single time. No. Just maybe like get two to three minutes off the clock. Maybe just try and see what happens. They don't. uh, And then Texas um, gets the ball, drives it down, scores in about four minutes. Then Washington gets the ball again um, and they drive it down uh, for a field goal. But this was also insane. Because if you were watching this one closely, you see, oh, Tybo Rogers run. Tybo Rogers run. Okay. Well, they were finally running the ball a little bit. If you saw the runs they were calling, they were pitches. And it's like, oh, oh. So you're going to take the conservative play, but you're going to add an element of danger to it. (laughs) A pitch against, like, aggressive defense trying to create a turnover. And they kept giving the ball to Tybo Rogers, who did basically nothing in this game except get hit really hard and look like he was fumbling every single time. Um, Baffling insanity. And we haven't even gotten to the really crazy stuff yet. Like it was so nuts that they weren't just, okay, we're going to run it up the middle. We're going to run it up the middle. We're going to run it up the middle. Like, and on the final down, I think they threw it. If I, yeah, I think they threw it to Will Nixon uh, on third and goal from the Texas 10. And it's like, you're not going to make it like it's probably not going to happen for you. So why not just run it again? You know, like, why not just yeah. give it a go? Um, they don't. They kick the field goal. So then they go up 3728 with two minutes and 40 seconds to go. You're thinking, OK, I mean, the crazy stuff happens in college football, but we're we're probably pretty good now. Uh, Texas then gets the ball, drives down the field in a minute 31. So with a minute left, they, uh,
1: I think it was kicked the field goal. So it a nine point lead, basically.
2: With a nine point lead. They, yeah. they, so they have to score twice. They have to score a field goal and a touchdown to win or two touchdowns or whatever. Uh, they get it down with about a minute to go and they kick the field goal, Texas. So Washington gets the ball back. And despite what the announcers were saying, cause I, I don't know if they just can't do math or what. Unless Washington got a first down, uh, Texas was always going to get the ball back. Like That was always yeah. going to happen. They couldn't run out the clock. So I don't really necessarily have a problem with, um, with DeBoer deciding to run the ball um, instead of just taking knees. Um, my complication, so here's what happens. Uh, first and 10, Dylan Johnson, two yards, timeout Texas. T- Texas has all of its timeouts. Uh, And so and on third and five, they run again and Dylan Johnson gets hurt with 50 seconds to go. Now it's a stupid rule. There's this rule that uh, if there's an injury, um, the clock stops. Even if that injury is penalizing the team that's ahead, like there should be game and context clues that should be added to these rules. um, Because they don't there. It's basically to prevent gamesmanship on the part of a team that's behind. But the team ahead doesn't isn't trying to do gamesmanship. Uh, Dylan no. Johnson was just hurt. He was actually hurt, yeah. But they, that stops the clock um, without using a timeout. So then Texas uh, has the ability to get the ball back there on fourth and five. Now, here's where I deviate from DeBoer, because they were at the Texas uh, 39 at that point. Um, and you've got to understand uh, your defense has had some porous issues at times during this game. You've got it at 4th and 5 on their 39. Texas still has to drive the ball 60 yards and score a touchdown. Put the ball in your best player's hands and just make him make a play and see if you can end this game in regulation. Without, not in regulation, but with, with your offense on the field. Because your defense is kind of doo-doo. Like, not completely doo-doo, but let's be honest, Washington fans, it's not, like, great. Uh, and, uh, and your best player can just do another uh, thing that he does, which is throw completions. Um, so I would have liked to have seen them go for it on fourth and five from the Texas 39 and just end it right then. Because then Texas made it really interesting and we had to see maybe the best PBU in, in Washington history to actually win this Yes, game. Exciting game. Loved it.
1: Every bit of it. Yeah, that the stuff at the end. Th- I think that rule does suck. With uh, you know, that the, you know, it would have been. I think um, someone in the chat said about fifteen seconds left. Jim Ch- Jim said that. So if you took three, I get the you don't need to take knees because if you get a first down, you end the game. You can't end the game by taking the knees. So you would you don't want to basically- punt.
2: You you like there's so many things you don't want to do, but punting is also one of the things you don't want to do because two things. One, you can mess up the snap. It's college. It's not the NFL. Like. A lot of people who say this stuff, like, oh, they should take three knees, it feels like they're NFL people. Like, you watch a lot of NFL football where all this stuff generally happens easily, you know, where you see specialists do their jobs well and easily. It doesn't happen like that in college. Like, guys screw this stuff up all the time. So, you're allowing the other team essentially three opportunities at that point. If you punt it, if you punt it with 15 seconds to go, they screw up the punt, they allow a huge punt return, or with 15 seconds to go, a team that has a good offense does some silly shit and gets a gets two gets one big completion for 40 yards, and then another one going into the end zone. Like it's yeah. just it's not it's not like the like sure thing that it is at like a professional level where it's oh yeah you get it down over there on their 10 with 15 seconds to go it's a done deal. It's just
1: not, yeah. not in college football you definitely don't want to have your gunner like run into the kicker, the, the, the turn guy and get 50, 50 free yards. Like that was one of the dumbest, like just there's no, yeah. So, so bad. many stupid things
2: happening. And like at some level you're like, okay, Washington it's this aggressive team and they like to play aggressively and all that kind of stuff. But at some level, it's just like, Oh no, 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 you're not aggressive. You're crazy. Like you're an insane person. Like Kalen DeBoer looks like the most milk toast guy, but like inside his brain is just like it's just crashing symbols at all times. Like it's just yes, yeah. Like he like it's just it's just like the most metal song going on in his head at
1: all times. But this was definitely Pac-12 after dark, and if I I would have hated it if Washington lost, but it probably would in a perfect way to end the Pac-12. Like that you were going to advance to the national championship game. And you essentially blew it. You're up nine points with like two minutes left and you lost somehow to a team that wasn't really dynamic yeah. on offense. They are just making some plays every once in a while. Um, that was, that was pretty crazy. But to the, to watch the first semifinal where Michigan was like super conservative, I'm sure this was killing you how conservative they were. They had like a, you know, small lead on Alabama and they're still just running the ball. They're not taking chances. They're going three and out, three and out, three and out, like throughout the third quarter. Like they were yeah. just terrible. They were just like hanging on to this lead, and then Alabama takes the lead. And it was good, you know. It was really cool comeback for for Michigan, but they were only trying to score when they like had to try to score. Where like what it was like so different than what Washington was doing. Like it's third and nine, like let's just run it to try to get some field position as opposed to like throwing a ball nine yards. We don't want to do that and like risk losing the game. So watching We're, that game, watching
2: that game closely after watching some Michigan um, this year, a little bit too. I don't think they have a good quarterback. Like I think no, he's he, not that good. He made some throws in that game where I'm like, yikes. Uh There's like six pack 12 guys who would have done that better.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's going to set up a really fun style where, like, it was basically like you had Alabama and Michigan, and Michigan's like proving to the world we, we have enough athletes that we can out Alabama, Alabama, where they can not just run the ball. Where Jalen Miller only threw like two passes through the first, like, two quarters, something stupid. It wasn't I mean, like that's obviously not what Washington's going to do. But like, Michigan was sort of trying to out Alabama, Alabama, and they got a lot. I mean, they got a lot of NFL dudes on that roster. They can. They survived a rock fight with Alabama, which not a lot of people can do when they're just like, you know, bashing each other. And they were just bashing each other. You know, Um, I mean, they sacked him a whole bunch of times. Michigan's defense is legit, but they were not pushing the envelope at all. Where Washington, that's all they're doing is like pushing the envelope. So it's going to make for a really fun, you know, rock fight team versus like fireworks team. You know, yeah.
2: And stylistically, it's going to be really interesting because Michigan,
1: uh, you know, Texas.
2: I make fun of Stark. Obviously, it's 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 uh, great to see him uh, win some games, but um, he is uh, of the same school of kind of dumbass offensive guy who just wants to like. I want to be like what they said at the beginning of that game. I thought was so interesting and so like such a, an interesting insight into a specific kind of dumbass. Is he like they said in the script? He tries to get his first his top eight playmakers involved on his first eight plays or, or something like
1: that he scripts like 40 something plays
2: yeah and it's just such a very specific type of dumbass who's like oh yeah I want to I want to show like what I can do and the balance and all the different tricks I can put out there and it's like homie CJ Baxter's just running through this defense <laughs> why don't you just keep giving him the ball um Michigan doesn't have that problem Um, if Blake Corum is getting stuff going against, uh, Washington's defense, they're going to run him 25 times in a row and they won't care. Like that's, Oh, we don't care about that. I saw Jim Harbaugh's Stanford run the exact same play with Toby Gerhart the entire game against UCLA. And because (laughs) UCLA couldn't stop it, they just kept doing it over (laughs) and over and over again. It was a meat grinder. He doesn't care. He is another very specific type of psychopath. What's most interesting about this game is really that, is DeBoer versus Harbaugh. Two, like one's a hidden psycho, one's an obvious psycho, but just two psychopaths going at it. It's going to be absolute just fireworks. It's going to be great.
1: Awesome to see the Pac-12 in the national championship game. Uh, Great to see. Kalen DeBoer. I know they got, they got a lot of dudes that are going to be gone next year, but man, they're having a lot of fun with this one, and it's great for us. We get another week of uh, talking about Pac-12 football. Um, I'm so in our picks contest. I'm up one game, so we have to we have to do a quick preview of this one. I mean, we're guys we're talking about it already. We got to do our picks against the spread. So we will probably not do a show until after this game. David, is that, does that make yeah? Sense? I don't think
2: we'll have time to do another one. So this will be our preview show as well. Um, so we're going to preview, uh,
1: the, the college football playoff national championship. Nice. Uh, it's good. So, you know, we kind of talked about it already a little bit with the, the contrasts and styles. Um, you know, uh,
2: Ben has an important point. Sark's fake Southern accent. Um, did you hear him giving interviews?
1: Yeah, it was like. Like he's trying eh, to sound Texasy.
2: Yeah, elongating like certain sounds and stuff. And it's like, it's dude, like, you're, hey, from, bro. you're from Torrance. You're from
1: Torrance, Yeah. Torrance.
2: Like you should sound like Mall. You, No, You, you don't should sound, sound like, like me, bro. Like, not <laughs> no. You're not, you're not doing a fake southern accent. I'm not allowing this. Brian Kelly, like, whatever. Who even knows where Brian Kelly's from? He's but, from like New England, I think. But come on, Sark. <laughs> Brian let's Kelly
1: fired his defensive staff this morning so yeah
2: he should find himself he, he's done all that stuff yeah
1: we'll um do. well that's exciting so you know the Michigan you know they've half their regular season games without their head coach he did a press conference earlier Harbaugh and like wasn't saying anything he said like about Michael Penix like super great or something like that um you know, they, they could potentially vacate wins and all this stuff. He is being the, you know, he's basically being like Nick Saban through all this stuff. And, you know, I don't think Washington's going to come in with this one with a happy to be there sort of, you know, mantra like there. Michael Penix, when you heard him afterwards, it's just like, this was our goal. Like, we want to try to win a championship. And we got what, you know, you talk about this was great. We beat Texas, but we got one more. I I mean, just the sense after the game, you feel like Washington is like, ready for this. we like, yeah, do you think this is the best team in the country? Like, would Georgia beat Washington? Like, yeah, maybe, probably, or whatever, but... Would they? Uh, you know how I many know. straight games Kalen DeBoer's won now? 21. It's, a lot. it's It's crazy, and you're just looking at it like, why can't you do this? It, like you mentioned, there's not an SEC buzzsaw that just has number one picks everywhere. Uh Now, Michigan has a lot of that. Like, they have a lot of, like, the SEC feel, but... I don't know. Not, it's not the same. It doesn't feel like Michigan is the crazy buzzsaw that a Georgia would have been or an Alabama would have been in their or even no, LSU. I, would.
2: I, I watched Michigan play. I watched their quarterback. They're not a buzzsaw. Like, they're good. Yeah. They're really, really, really good. Line play, I expect Washington to have some issues. Um, but – here's the thing I would say about Washington is like Phoenix. I would say I'm still pronouncing it like that. Even though I'm not making any of the jokes anymore, I'm still calling him Michael Phoenix. It's can't. I can't, I, just commitment to a bit at a subconscious level. <laughs> um, he, I would have said he looked, he looked healthy. Like, and that's yeah. a weird thing to say about a guy who looked really good all year, but back half of the season, he didn't look quite right. Uh, this game, he was back to looking like, Oh shit um this guy can make any throw he wants to make and he was running the ball too um which i think it's not an important part of that offense at all but when he can do it like when he can do a little pressure release like i'm gonna go get eight nine yards it adds such a devastating element because suddenly okay you're telling me we got to cover all these receivers and we got to cover this dude out of the backfield these dudes out of the backfield you know westover dylan johnson all these guys, and now we also have to contend with the idea that this guy's going to, you know, scamper for 9, 10 yards uh, when we leave him uncovered. I mean, I would just
1: quit as a defense. I'd be like, no. I think he had Uh. his longest run of the season in that game, and then he had a couple of them that were about the same, like, I think 12 yards. That was, like, his longest of the season. He had, like, three of those in the game.
2: And and I apparently, mean, Dylan
1: and, Johnson said he's going to play. So,
2: yeah, and somebody somebody tweeted this out. I think it was Mina Kimes, but she said, um, you know, Michael Phoenix looks like he uh, he he runs like I do on a treadmill. When, when I see somebody I know, where I suddenly like, oh yeah, no, I can really run, um, <laughs> which is totally like a totally perfect evaluation. Uh, but when he can do that, it's when anybody can do it, and it's not you know he's not a dual threat by any stretch of the imagination. But when they show a willingness, and you know, when are you not going to show a willingness in a college football playoff game? So, um, that's an element that Michigan now has to prepare for. Um, right. and uh, you know, Michigan's a great defense. Um, it'll be really, but they just went against an Alabama team that has you know, subpar play at quarterback, I would say. Um, mediocre. Um, I think he ran through a pretty rough sec this year but mediocre play at quarterback um now they have to deal with probably the best offensive player in the country um yeah and 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 roma dunze and jalen mcmillan and jalen polk um it's i it's i think you nailed it when we were talking (laughs) about the other game it's just styles it's it's such a contrast and which style ends up dominating is um Because I could see a scenario where Michigan just um, commits to pounding the ball, pounding the ball, pounding the ball, and they just control the game. You know, time of possession, 40-20. They score 28 points, and they just never give Washington breathing room. But I could also see Washington just going bombs away and being able to hit some big throws downfield and putting Michigan in a catch-up mode. And if if Washington gets an early lead of anything oh, yeah. substantial, like ten points, uh, like Michigan I could trouble. I could see Washington winning this by three touchdowns. I can also see Michigan <laughs> winning it by three touchdowns. Like it's just yeah. there's there's such a contrast. Which style, style takes here. the lead. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because yeah. like Penix, when you're looking at that, like if you're going the like highlights of a game like Michigan, they're like, oh, he had this one bomb that this guy made a great catch on that's like a, you know, average Washington play. Like the the best play you've had all season is like Washington did like five of those in the Texas game alone. That's what the styles are so different. And I, I feel like Michigan's going to have a ton of dudes drafted. They got NFL guys all over the place, but Dave mentioned there isn't the kind of quarterback. I feel like this is early Alabama championship team where, they could run the ball, play defense. They didn't need the crazy offense, and you know you didn't have like Devonte Smith or Tua vialoa like guys that were just I, save and learned. And that's part of the reason why he's the greatest ever is because he's won championships different ways and adapted when you know you bring in we we have the best defense in the country, and they're still scoring on us. Like, okay, well, why don't we do that too? And and so they're the more dynamic offenses now and uh you know we saw like you know Georgia having you know dynamic quarterback play and Alabama having dynamic quarterback play and like tons of great wide receivers and stuff they changed it to go along with we can run the ball you know we have Najee Harris and um you know great offensive line and we're playing great defense still I, michigan feels like it's more the older school early saban championships where you don't have that dynamic quarterback and if washington can score on some of those things. Now they, they hit Washington, hit a lot of those big plays. Like some of those aren't high percentage ones where like Udunze making a contested catch with two guys, but, on. But they, but they make it look aren't high they percentage kind of? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's
2: yes. On like a, on a, like a basic level. No, that's not a high percentage play. Cause in college football, guys don't hit that a lot, but, but Washington does. does like Washington yeah. hits that shit all the time. And so like when you're seeing a dunze make ridiculous catches downfield. Well, a lot of times it's in, Man coverage, and what do you see in the NFL all the time? Like if you if your top guy has man coverage, has a single guy on him, you're throwing it to him no matter what. Like you're yeah. just okay. I'm throwing it to him and letting him make a play. Well, Adunze is an NFL receiver. Michael Penix is an NFL quarterback. They're doing NFL things. I mean, it's yes, it's a contested catch and it's very hard. But I mean, the ball placement, the one in the fourth quarter, <sighs> this wasn't even two Adunze. I think I think it was might have been Jalen Polk. Um, Where he's running down the sideline, the cornerback is right next to him, running down the sideline, too. And uh, the ball comes in, and literally, as he's turning, it hits him here (laughs) in full stride. Yeah, and it's like that corner's actually got good defense, like, he's 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 covered this well, and nothing, absolutely nothing, you can do to stop that. Like, the ball placement the the receiving ability i mean just the combination with all this is um i mean it's one of the most impressive passing attacks i think i've ever seen like and you have to watch it you know because it's um know, the stats do tell a story and the story is very impressive but watching it uh is just another world like i i can't remember the last quarterback who had such accuracy throwing deep um in college football like it's and it's all the time like it's just and just it's like I think he missed one throw deep this game one yeah. and it was in uh, like that one brief stretch where Texas was finally getting some pressure um and that's another thing I mean Washington's offensive line uh, has been maligned by our friend uh Hifliday uh, a lot over the years um uh, they were really impressive in this game um and I'm
1: interested to see how they look against Michigan's defensive line when you see like say like an Indiana or somebody or like Purdue like when like Braum was there like oh I got this like prolific passing attack and they're like scoring tons of points and then they play Michigan and it gets shut down and you're like well they did not have guys running wide open Michigan had corners that were running with these dudes and Purdue's offense wasn't predicated on hitting tight windows it was like scheming guys open and stuff and so you're hitting you know the you don't need a catch radius it's huge like you're just hitting the pass doesn't have to be perfect the Michigan's gonna have guys that can cover dudes but now this isn't predicated on guys running wide open like it's nice if you get that and DeBoer can scheme guys but Penix can put it there where you have great coverage and we have a better receiver than even your great corner is, and. You have a quarterback that can put it, like you said, right on the right spot, and boom. And so that's why. I mean, Michigan's going to make some plays, and they might break up some of those passes. But uh, that you you have to give Washington a puncher's chance in this one because they're. It's not dependent on, you know, we just had guys open all the time. Like they have guys that aren't open, and they're still completing these, you know, really explosive plays in the pass game, which can be demoralizing for a defense. I mean, just just attempting that pass where. You know, we, I saw. I think it was the Michigan game. It was like a third and nine, and they weren't pushing the ball. They weren't getting first downs. And I think they ran like a flea flicker. Like it was like a trick a third and nine. We're gonna like, well, we're not gonna throw a pass, but we'll throw a trick play to make it make it look like we're running, and then throw a pass. Like they, they, they didn't even want to attempt throwing a ball downfield. Like just normally, can you know, can uh, and the con- conventional way or whatever, and uh, conventional way. And that's what Washington does, and they feel very comfortable doing it. And I think something like that where defenses are used to they don't want to take a chance here because, you know, we we could, like, no. And I, I think you realize it like, when that team gives no Fs, like, they're just, like, we're going to throw the ball downfield anytime we want. On second one, on third and 20, on first and 10, we're going to do it. It, it changes the mentality, I think, of the defense where they're not like just, oh, well, let's run a screenplay and try to pick up some yards or let's do the draw because that's like, you know, safe, like nothing's safe. Like, um, so that's why I think this is going to be a whole lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, DeBoer, again, he just wins football games. He's lost like 11 times in his entire career as a head coach.
1: Yeah. It like was, remember, years. what was it? Uh, was it uh, Chris Peterson? Like, or whatever. Who, yeah, the, he was like 110 or whatever when he was at yeah. Boise State. No, it's
2: like the exact same thing. Like just, yeah. just wins games and just uh, sometimes looks like he got a piano hitting him in the head, but boy, howdy, uh, just wins football games.
1: Well, why don't we do our picks uh, for this one? Um, or do you need to do the Michigan? Uh,
2: so oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. oh <laughs> yeah. We just talked about the game. We didn't even do the thing. Um, uh, <laughs> Michigan Wolverines. What does a Wolverine do? Like a Wolverine's like, like
1: a little rodent. No, they're like meat. They're like it's like a yeah, whatever. It's I'll go with meat. uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's
2: good. Okay. Um uh taking on the Washington Huskies. Rough 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 rough. Um this game is p.m. on Monday, ESPN. Number two, Washington versus number one, Michigan. Should be in the Rose Bowl. It's not. Two 14-0 teams. In NRG Stadium in Houston. What's NRG Stadium, Ryan? Is it a dome? It is a dome. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Michigan is a five-point favorite, uh, despite strategically it being smarter to just pick opposite of whatever Ryan does. I can't in good conscience do that. Give me those dogs. (laughs) Bow down.
1: So we talked about this before. He said, I have to pick different than you. And I said, okay, I didn't look at the spread. I hadn't really thought about my pick. I did mention last week that if Washington advanced, they were going to play indoors twice. That's going to be great for Michael Penix. It was great in the first round. Getting five points, um, yeah, I feel really comfortable with that. Um, They were getting four points against Texas. And even if Texas made that crazy comeback, they still would have covered the spread. I feel like that's the smart play here. That I'll take Kalen DeBoer, that winning streak, that offense, and five points. So I told David I was going to take Washington, which I will, giving him the opportunity to try to tie it. But um, so I, I don't want to pick just to go opposite you. I would, you know, just that's for your strategy, not mine. I want to pick Washington this one, so I will take Washington. Do
2: you uh, want to change your mind? That's spread. Who's your winner? Uh,
1: I, you know, I didn't, I don't think I was a super believer with like my gut was saying it's probably going to be like Texas and Alabama again, and that's not what it happened. Um, I really was impressed with what Washington did and seeing how conservative Michigan was in this one, like Harbaugh probably should have lost that game. Like they were down seven. And uh, it, you know, it was kind of a miracle that they came back. He was, I mean, they didn't do anything after halftime. It was really sort of sad to see. And I feel like they're going to be that team that, that punts it on third you know, fourth and one at the uh, Washington 40 and like Penix goes 90 yards and scores a touchdown. So I think I'm going to take Washington in this one. Would I be shocked if like Michigan just kind of just runs the ball and you know, stuff can go, not go your way, right? It could be just a, it all just works out for the bigger, stronger team to just kind of push you around a little bit. But I feel pretty good that Washington can win this game, which to think about Washington being the national champion, the last winner of the college football playoff, not just the first team to make it since, you know, 2016 or whatever, but to win it would be pretty impressive. But I kind of, I'm leaning towards Washington now. I don't know. What do you, what do you think?
2: Mm. Yeah, I think I'll go Washington. Um, I think final score, Washington. It'll be lower scoring because Michigan's going to try to and probably will control time with yeah. uh, a lot of ball control. I think it'll be
1: like Washington 28, Michigan 24. Wow, okay. Um, it should be fun, but I I feel like Washington get theirs, you know, and Michigan's just not used to teams that could just be like, you know, they're wait like oh Jalen Milrow it's third and ten, how do they pick up the first down? Like he runs for, it. you know, like that's what like not no one's gonna try to throw a fifteen yard play on third and ten against us. Well, Washington will, and I think they're gonna get a bunch of those. So it should be I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for this one. So excited the Pac-12. Is represented and very excited that i beat david in the pick contest in the last year of the pac-12 that's very exciting for you I you know. sure you don't want to go to take michigan in this one no no you're just gonna like this, concede.
2: This, uh, No, no no I, this is this is the classic um this matters more to you than it does to me you know <laughs> it's, it's no big deal for me
1: all right I mean, I would feel terrible if I had like, a huge lead on you and just collapsed like that. Like- yeah, no, I just,
2: I mean, this is, I mean, I'm really happy for you because this clearly matters a lot to you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter as much to me. Yeah, I'll yeah. take the, uh, the... I mean, it wouldn't matter that if is the I most. That is two. the most annoying thing a person can say to you. Like the most <laughs> annoying thing when you're competing in something and they're just like, oh, well, just, it, you know, it's no big deal for me, but I'm, I'm really happy for you. It's like... Good thing uh, I, could, I
1: should pull out some of the old audio. It's, when it's like when you're like, playing a how game... How many of <laughs> the lead that like, you had and what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, we got to answer some questions.
1: Yeah, should we take a quick break? Uh, Better. Was that good? Yeah, yeah. It was not go on really long like you like to do sometimes. It,
2: it didn't hurt as badly, which is probably ideal. Okay, where are we? We need.
1: I, to... I think we have Ethan and DC. Okay. ACC equals but? No, we did this one, right? Did we?
2: We um... recorded. What day did we record? I think it was Saturday at. Yeah, we did this one. That was our last question of that day. All right. Okay. It's Dave G in Roswell, Georgia. Okay. Arizona versus Oklahoma, Alamo Bowl deep dive. David and Ryan, your show is incredible, and I've been a listener since the beginning. I appreciate everything you do and want to thank you for continued coverage for the former Pac-12 teams next year. I wanted to provide some additional insight into the Alamo Bowl back-and-forth momentum. The pregame news focused on Dylan Gabriel sitting out, but not nearly as impactful was Arizona's projected first-round NFL pick, Jordan Morgan, who also sat out. Arizona started a freshman playing left tackle for the first time and added another first-time player at guard. The left side of the line held for first quarter until Oregon uh, until Oklahoma decided to blitz the left side in the second quarter. This left Fafita with no protection until Fish Carroll swapped out a few pieces and found protection in the fourth quarter. If you look at Arizona yards, they are all first and fourth quarters. The other big factor was the injury to Takario Davis in the second quarter. He is the number one or number two defensive back on Arizona. Shortly after, Traden Stooks hurt his hand and left the game. Arizona was playing players who already entered portal at safety and rotated safety to corner. Trayden had his hand wrapped up and came back into the game for the fourth quarter. So two massive developments changed the game in the second quarter, and then two coaching moves changed the game again in the fourth. I'm sure Ryan is now calling this the second most boring email of the year, so we'll end here with nothing but thanks for all you do, Dave G in Roswell, Georgia. Appreciate hey, the context.
1: G, probably top 5 boring emails. No. Uh there was but we've talked about this. Arizona sort of disappeared in the middle of this game. Yeah. And we didn't, you know, I, this sounds like a pretty, you know, reasonable sounds reason. possible. Yeah. Why? Like uh, we saw that. The, and then they, the offense kind of caught fire again in the fourth quarter where they weren't able to make adjustments um, to the pass rush and things like that. So, yeah, that makes sense, Dave. Thanks for the context there behind what was going on. But we we saw the offense look really good, then kind of just go away for a while. And then Oklahoma takes control and then Arizona takes control back. So it yep. makes a lot of sense. All right. Moving right along. Um, College football playoff POC cast. Uh, hi, Ryan and Dave. If and only if Washington makes it to the college football playoff final, I think it would be a great idea for the POC to have a live podcast a la the Manning cast for Monday Night Football. I think it's pretty cool when ESPN has the coaches' room during the championship game and they comment on the game. But the POC having a live pod during the college football playoff final, if Washington is in the game, is a great way to close out the Pac-12. Just a thought. Will it happen? Definitely no, but one can dream. Thanks again for all the good times this past season. Look forward to the POC basketball talk. Ha ha ha. Eric uh, F. Um, I've I've thought about doing this for sure. Uh, something like this, where it might be better if Dave and I are in the same room watching the game and just kind of. But the timing, like there'll be delays, you know. I don't know. Do you think it would be feasible, Dave? Or
2: not? Not Monday. No.
1: Okay, so Dave can't do it. Yeah, but I'm down with it, Eric.
2: Yeah, I might actually be starting the game a little bit late. Um, <gasps> I know. I know. Kids. Yes. Gotcha. Kid bullshit at all times is my life. All right. Uh, we are moving on to Jamie injury timeout rule. Riven. Can either of you explain to me why a rule exists that prevents a team from running out the clock when someone on the team gets injured? I've spent too much time thinking about this, and I haven't been able to come up with one reason why this rule exists. Let's say, for example, you're in the Sugar Bowl and you're down by maybe six points or so. There's a minute left, it's third down, and you have no timeouts left. Obviously, you're hoping for a turnover, but if that doesn't happen, your best bet is to injure someone on the other team, giving you a free timeout. If I were a Washington fan, I would have been absolutely furious the way it was handled last night. Thankfully, it didn't affect the outcome, but it almost did. People in hindsight will say Washington should have knelt the ball, which is a separate argument, but they wouldn't have been able to r- completely run out the clock. So I can understand why they tried running the ball and picking up a first down to ice the game. Great point, Jamie. Um, this is one of those things where uh, you need to give leeway beyond the rule book because the rule is in place for the other side. Like if yeah. you're coming back and you fake an injury, Um, You want to make it so that like the other team has to do like a 10 second runoff or whatever. Um, This, well, no, that wouldn't make sense. Why does this rule exist?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I thought you could, you know, once the play gets ready, you know, you could start the clock again once it's like ready for play. This is just
2: stupid. Um, and they should, I guess my larger point is still correct, but I don't know why this rule exists. Uh, the, 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 the big thing is, uh, they should take advantage into account when they are determining whether or not a rule should be enforced. Um, and in this one, um, Washington the team in the lead is not getting any advantage from doing this um at the very worst the clock should just start again on ball placement not yeah, on that's uh what,
1: snap so right, we're ready for play then they can you know run yeah, run the clock again I, I guess you basically don't want like Washington like faking an injury and that this wasn't the situation there I think with Jamie's point is like you would try to injure the other team. Yeah, which that's seems, not good. that seems I haven't heard that one where you're like if you fake your own injury that's one thing but you're like I'm going to go out and like, you know, sweep the leg or something because if you were able to do that like if I was like, you know, cut an offensive lineman and like tear his ACL then you're going to get a free timeout but you just literally hurt a player to do that. Like I don't know if that would I don't think any coaches ever instructed that. It's more about Hey, go down and pretend that you're injured, which that's that's a problem in different situations. That's not this situation, but Jamie brought up a point I never really thought about that you would like just go out and try to injure the other guy so that they would have to take no, but the it's time a great out. point. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Okay. Uh, this one is from uh, Ben Anomaly or New Normal. Ben from Toronto here. How's it going? A, uh, love your work and really enjoy the football season or this football season, especially with Washington in the championship game. I remember the 91 season when Washington beat Michigan in the Rose bowl and never thought a team like Washington would have a chance at winning it all again. So he has two questions. Is the blue chip ratio dead or is this just an outlier? You want to start with that?
2: Yeah. um, I don't think it's dead. And I think it's a really good framework for understanding college football. Um, I'm not ready to say it's just a pure outlier, if only because I think the blue chip ratio, uh, which is uh, a brainchild of our our Bud Elliott, um, it, it transfer portal rankings are, I would say, still in their nascent stages, and I don't know that we have like necessarily cracked the code on whether they are determinative of. The talent level, um, because what you're often getting is an experienced good player, and an experienced good player is basically like a super five-star out of high school. Um yeah. and if you're good at evaluating and you understand how a guy fits, like uh, I don't know what was what was our man Penix out of high school?
1: I don't remember. I mean, he ends up going to Indiana, I, Yeah, because part-
2: he was a three-star out of high school now. And this isn't me being, like, because um, uh, he he played, like, a three-star at Indiana. Like, he was pretty good, but he played, like, a three-star at Indiana. But he's now in what? His, like, I don't know, sixth year out of out of high school? He's a really, really experienced guy now yeah. who's taken a ton of reps, who was probably a little bit better than a three-star coming out of high school. But that doesn't get accounted for necessarily in the blue-chip ratio. Um, and there can be guys like that on teams um, a little bit more with the transfer portal because that's an imperfect science. Like, our our recruiting guys do a fantastic job. Our scouting guys do a fantastic job with high school because there's a lot of opportunities to evaluate. What you're evaluating in the transfer is basically how that guy performed in games in a different system for a different coach based on probably mostly stats. You're not watching, like, I, I don't think those guys are watching game tape you know, of 12 games of each of those guys. Um, But you know who is? The guy who's trying to win a national championship at Washington when he's evaluating his quarterback. So I think there's more room for um, coaches to out-evaluate the evaluators with the transfer portal, and that can impact the blue-chip ratio thing. Uh, The transfer portal and combined with the COVID years for a lot of these guys just kind of changes the game because experience is a huge huge factor that doesn't get talked about necessarily enough at the college level like when you've got a team of a bunch of fifth and sixth year guys at critical spots it's it's tough to contend with so i i will say blue chip ratio is still a major 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 thing but i do think it's interesting that this happened in a in this new world order that this is kind of one of the first times this has happened um and potentially they'll win. And frankly, Michigan is not very high in the blue chip ratio either. They're, they they're above the cutoff, but not that far above the cutoff. Um,
1: We've seen like BYU when they would have guys go on missions. And like, if you're playing everyone that's 23 and 24, it's different, you know, than if you're 20 and 21, I think also, so this is an anomaly to me. Um, Look at who've won the last several championships. It's been these sec powers that have, you know, they're, top two or three in the country as far as blue chip ratio goes that's sort of been the norm if washington could do it again next year after losing all the guys are going to lose and they still have the same blue chip ratio that would make a lot more sense but i mean tcu th- was in it last year right and, and what did they do this year like tcu was in the national championship game you're like oh the blue chip ratio doesn't matter like no they get they lost by 60 and then uh we're under five hundred this year or whatever. It'll like be it'll me.
2: be interesting once the COVID years get kind of pushed out. Um, whether this whether it continues to look a little bit more like, you know, these teams that are a little under talented can get in there. Cause I'm I, I think it's a lot more to do with the ease of the transfer portal now than necessarily the COVID year. But I'm interested to see what
1: that but there's some there. six year guys, you know, and that that definitely helps. It it's like help. the, the NCAA tournament run by the team that's got like the fifth year point guard, and like the, that just happens. Like they've played together a lot. So I think this is more of an anomaly.
2: All right. We got to start rapid firing some of these. You okay. Want to do number two.
1: Yeah. Second, uh, clock management nearly cost Washington the game in the last few minutes. Dave, where were your piano on heads tweets? I'll tell you this I was not emotionally disinvested from the
2: game. And so I was actually just there getting baffled and angry. So I didn't have time to provide my like witty commentary because I'm sitting there, you know, uh, alongside I think in spirit many Washington fans being like, "What the fuck, man? Stop, stop, please stop." <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that's where they were. They were in my brain, but not ready to come out. Um, all right. Okay, this is my '63 Chevy, better for college football and all its fans. Hey guys, with so many players opting out of bowl games, uh, either because they enter the portal or the draft, it makes most uh, it makes most bowl games even more unwatchable than they used to be. But I have a solution. Make a 2014 playoff the way 1AA does. 11 auto bids, 13 at large, and top eight receive a buy. You get 23 games that will all attract much bigger TV and attendance numbers than a random bowl game. Players won't opt out, leaving the teams at full power. And if the bowls have to be included, just make the quarterfinals, semis, and championship game be played at traditional bowl sites and rotate them. This gives every team hope at the start of the year. Just win your league and you get a ticket to the big dance while getting rid of meaningless bowl games that a lot of times feature teams that are gutted by transfers or opt-outs, and I only see that problem getting worse. I know the playoff is already expanding, but it should go to 24 and eliminate the chaff. That doesn't No, that would increase the chaff. Anyway, does any average uh, college football fan want to watch 67% of Kansas State play versus 80% of Tulane in the Cheez-It Bowl? Brought to you by Bad Boy Mowers featuring Jimmy Kimmel. Um, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of disgusted with the way the like structural stuff is going in college football, um, the playoff expansion and all that kind of stuff. I do think from an, uh, from a certain angle though, this is almost preferable to an eight team or a 12 team playoff. If only because it does make it matter more to those 24 teams, because we're already we've already broken through into stupidity. So why not go full stupid? Like if we're going to embrace the idea that we don't really care if um a true champion is crowned, if only we can have a, a playoff where, you know, stupid things happen, then go full stupid. You know, go go big, go twenty-four teams, go thirty-six teams, go fucking sixty-four teams. Who gives a shit? Um, but, uh, I, I do think, you know, the, the bigger problem is that we've, uh, we've gone ahead and invalidated most of like what was once kind of cool about college football. And I'm not talking about the bad boy mowers featuring Jimmy Kimmel, but like that fiesta bowl barely mattered. Um, you know, and I, I thought it was a real credit to Bo Nix that he played in that game. yeah, And that's a weird feeling to have because the fiesta bowl used to be a really cool thing. Uh, damn, that's awesome. That's a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, But now it's like, oh, wow, that guy's going to play? Well, that changes the entire thinking. Um, And it's just, you know, and I don't know how much of that is hurt or aided by just changing nature of, you know, how guys perceive the importance of college football or whatever. Um, But I do think it's a lot of We've made it so the only thing that matters is making the playoff and everything else is dog shit. Um, which is why I was hammering for the point for Oregon fans. You had a great season. Like you didn't make the playoff. Who cares? You had a great season. Um, and I think uh, a lot of, a lot of the narrative and a lot of it's ESPN's fault, but everyone around college football is just that the only thing that matters is the playoffs. So if that's true and everyone is adopting that angle, then you kind of have to be a little bit like, okay, well, if the only thing that's going to matter is the playoff, then you have to make the playoff bigger. Like you, but holding two thoughts within your mind, it's bad that it's the only thing that matters. Like it's not good. Um, this sport is not designed to crown a true national championship. It just isn't. Never has been. Never will be. Um, but we're stuck here. So might as yeah, well I think, it.
1: and I don't think this would actually help that much if you're trying to fix the problem. Because then you create playoff games that don't matter as much. I think people are gonna opt out of I mean, if you're you're gonna just get smoked by Alabama in the first round, does it mean you're gonna have everybody opt in just because it's a playoff game? I don't think that's a guarantee. I think there's things you can do. I, I think Cultural Ball Reddit said, Hey, why don't you put some of the awards after the bowl games? So then it's like there's a reason to play in them so you don't get the award beforehand. Like Michael Penix probably would've won the Heisman if they put the awards afterwards. Um and uh, you might get some recency bias, but I think you might keep some guys playing into it. I think the scarcity of the playoff is a reason why you're not going to see playoff guys uh, opt out. But if there's 24 teams in the playoff, you're going to see people opt out in there. You too. don't, you uh, don't see many people opt out of the
2: NCAA tournament. That's the only thing I'll say in that respect is that you really fair. don't. Um, and so it's a different sport. Obviously there's a high, a higher risk of injury in football, but um you know, you gotta understand a lot of these guys are motivated by like profound optimism. Um, athletes, if you ever talk to one of these guys or one of their coaches, like, yeah, they can get negative about certain things, but like they always think they're gonna win. Like they always think, oh yeah, we're gonna beat that ass. Um, and so you know, you stick them in a twenty fourteen playoff, they're probably gonna play because they think they're gonna win. Um yeah. so anyway, all right, we gotta we gotta move very rapidly or not. Okay.
1: Fun With Money from Rudy. Hi, Ryan and David. I've been a UCLA season ticket holder since 2006 as I watched the Rose Bowl on Monday. I looked at my friend with whom I share the tickets and said to him that I was wondering how much money the Alabama, Michigan, Washington and Texas fans paid for their tickets, travel, hotel, food, etc. I was also amazed that two of those fan bases will do it again in a week. It made me thankful to Martin Jarmond and Chip Kelly. You see, thanks to them. I won't have to spend a bunch of money traveling to two awesome bowl games. Instead, I'll be able to use my money to take a golf trip, to go to some Dodger road games, and go on vacation with my wife. Thanks, Martin and Chip, for making football no fun. Here's my actual question. Imagine all cultural football coaches are pretty competitive guys. They want to win. They may not be good at their jobs, but they still want to win. Does Chip Kelly actually want to win football games this is not me being facetious. It's a serious question. Does he actually want to win football games? How could he watch other teams pass him by and think, yep, I'm doing this right. Thanks for letting me vent. And for the podcast, keep up the great work. Uh, great, well, good, acceptable work. Uh, Rudy.
2: Really quick. Uh, I think he wants to win them on his terms. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think that like I'll do anything to win mentality, uh, has any bearing on Chip Kelly. Um I think he wants to win on his terms and do his thing. And that's just what it is.
1: It's the term that's exactly right. I think for for years when USC kept hiring terrible athletic directors and you're like, do you think they, they wanted to win? Yes. But they also wanted to win on their terms. Like we don't want to win. We we'd like to win with Clay Helton as the head coach, but we're not going to go get some guy that's going to like cause a lot of problems and you know, we, we just, you're, they're, they're, more like hoping to win, but they're going to do it their way. That's what's more important to them to the fan. You're like, do whatever you need to do, get every player, hire every coach you want. As long as that makes you win, they're not willing to do that. They would like to win, but they're, it's more of hoping to win as opposed to their process of what the way they want to do things is more important than I'm going to do a different way that I think would get me victories.
2: All right. This is a question for you. And I want you to answer in 20 seconds. Okay. Calen DeBoer. Uh, hi, guys. I just want to know if Ryan will now concede that Calen DeBoer is a better coach than Lincoln Riley since he has officially accomplished more in two years of being a Power 5 head coach than Riley ever has in seven years. Thanks. I'll hang up and listen.
1: Yeah, we, we already talked about this. Like, you you got, I mean, he's made it to the championship game. Like, this is, he's done more than Riley has as far as he should have had a Heisman winner. And he hasn't been around that long. He will get Heisman winners with something that Riley's done. He's made the playoff, which is something Riley did, but he's actually advanced too. So um yeah, I think you you he's gotta be one of the best coaches in the country right now.
2: Yeah, no doubt. All right, that's it for us. We gotta go. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta blow this popsicle
1: stand. Thanks, David, for doing all the work for this one. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And do it's say, rare, but do you say the thing now or do I say the thing? Oh, uh yeah, I say the thing. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time.
0: Bye. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today. Part of the CBS sports podcast network.